G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Would you change your shopping habits if you knew how your favourite brands rated in the way that they manufacture or buy their fashion? Well, you can be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Gershon Nimbolka from Baptist World Aid. Baptist World Aid's an international aid and development organisation with a vision to see a world where poverty has ended, where all people enjoy the fullness of life that God intends. Now, they've been around a long time, since 1959. The organisation works in 18 countries around the world, Asia, Africa, the Pacific, across four key areas. Now, Baptist World Aid has been involved in campaigning various industries to end worker exploitation for eight years. They began research into the fashion and electronics industries back in 2010. Today, we're talking about the latest Australian fashion report. Gershon Nimbalka joining us. Hi, Gershon. Welcome back to 2020. Thanks for having me back on, Neil. Gershon, I remember late last year we had a conversation. We were talking about fashion. We were talking about electronics. Uh, Let's talk some more about fashion today because uh, your latest release of the Australian Fashion Report, uh, in a nutshell, what does it all mean? Yeah, so this is the third edition of the Australian Fashion Report. Um, And the first report was launched in the wake of that terrible Rana Plaza collapse, which took the lives of 1,100 garment workers. And our report has been able to track the progress that we've seen in that time, both of individual companies and the industry as a whole. So there's some really good news. We've seen some really exciting trends in terms of what companies and the industry are doing to protect workers, but there's also so much more that needs to be done. Okay, well, the actual Australian Fashion Report, it's quite complex and there's lots of statistical analysis in there that, uh, well, we could get bogged down in and we won't uh, get bogged down in specifics, although we will want to name some of those uh, companies, uh, perhaps the worst offenders and those who are performing really well because uh, it's not all such a bad news story. And I guess awareness in the public uh, mindset is one of the important aspects of when you're dealing with these sorts of issues that you deal with in the Australian Fashion Report. How important is it for listeners to our conversation now uh, to spare a thought uh, and to perhaps even prepare to redirect the way they spend shopping dollars because of the important underlying issues that are involved in fashion? I think I think it's really important for us to, to start thinking about how do we vote with our wallets to preference those companies that are doing more to ensure that there's no slavery in our supply chain, that there's no child labor, um, that there's no exploitation. And I think we need to do that as a way which we have power to ensure that people get to live the fullness of life that God intends, lives where they earn enough to put food on their table, um, keep their families educated and healthy and keep a shelter above their heads. I think they're, they're human rights and they're rights that God wants us all to be able to enjoy. And there's, there's something we can do about that by shaping our shopping um, in a Christ-shaped way. And that's, that's 
a big part of why we put this report together. We wanted to help people to be able to make those decisions, um, to preference those companies that are doing more, to see people flourish throughout their entire production process um, and not be exploited. So I think it's really important, um, and hopefully we've got some great tools to make that much easier for people. Gersh, and one thing that's important, I think, if we get this conversation underway, you're not trying to put a guilt trip on shoppers, are you? Because uh, there is a sense in which you say, oh, we're going to be talking about fashion, the way we spend our money. Uh, There is a sense here in which uh, the shopper, the consumer, is the one who's spending money at the department store or at the supermarket. But you guys have got to focus on those companies that are buying the fashion. Uh, how important is it here not to feel like somehow or other there's a guilt trip on, on the consumer? Yeah, I think I think for consumers, what we really want to do is just help them increase their awareness and make decisions that will help liberate people from exploitation and help them to flourish. So I'd rather look at the hope that can come out of being someone that tries to think about how do you love your neighbor through your shopping, um, because that can be transformational. The fashion industry is one of the biggest employers in the world. In the Asia-Pacific region alone, it employs 40 million people, many of whom work in some of the lowest income countries um, across our region. So if we, can, if we can do more to engage with these companies and tell them through the way we shop and what we actually say to them directly, that we want them to look after those workers, we can help transform not just individuals and their families, but regions and whole nations um, Paying people a decent wage is one of the things that workers most call for, and it's one of the things that they're most concerned about. Um, if we can encourage companies to do that, then that would be transformational. Um, so I think, for me, it's, it's the hope that we can bring um, by being people that are really conscious in the way we consume and trying to to consume in a way that's shaped by Christ. Is there a sense, you know, when we're voting in an election, we think, uh, well, I've just got one vote. Uh, How much uh, can my one vote influence the outcome of an election? Well, when we go shopping, well, I've got one dollar or I've got my purchases, how much can my purchases affect the way these sorts of things happen? Just how powerful is it if shoppers actually take responsibility for how we spend money on fashion? It's enormous um, because companies ultimately what they want is they want to make sure that they remain profitable um, for the long term. And for them to do that, they need people like us buying their products. So every time Um, A consumer says, well, I'm going to preference a company that's doing better on this or I'm going to speak to a company um, and maybe not purchase from them if they don't improve their labor rights systems, then it sends a message to those companies. And those companies, we know are hearing it. We hear story after story that um, companies are increasingly concerned about the reputation that they have and how people think about them because they know that's what's ultimately influencing how how long they can maintain their profitability and sustainability. So it's it's a big deal. and in a sense, while, you know, for a politician, they just need to get across the line. They need that 51% of votes after preferences um, to make sure that their government or their party gets into government or into power. With a company, it's every dollar counts. Um, so every customer that they lose is a customer that they don't want to lose and can't afford to lose in many respects. So um, preferencing 
companies that are doing better makes an impact and then letting companies know obviously if they don't know why you're changing your shopping habits they won't know what to do about it so letting them know and preferencing them actually makes a huge difference to the way these companies think and operate okay this is your third australian fashion reports uh if you were gauging the change that's happened uh, since that very first one and i suspect there would have been some who were feeling a little confronted when you were starting to do those surveys and gathering the data that you needed to uh, on Australian uh, retailers. Uh, From that first one to now, is there a noticeable difference? The fact that you start talking about this sort of thing, uh, you know, living wages and where the material comes from that makes the clothes, uh, is, is there a noticeable difference from the first report to this third one? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most exciting trends that we've seen is the amount of companies trying to know who it is that are actually making their clothes. So most companies know at that final stage of manufacturing who their suppliers are, so who the people are that um, cut everything up and sew it together and then trim it down. But as you go deeper, one of the most troubling concerns when we first did this research was hardly anyone, less than a quarter of companies knew where their fabrics were coming from and almost nobody knew where their cotton was coming from. What we've seen now is that in this latest report, about 75-78% of companies are at least trying to find out, doing some tracing, we call it, um, of where their fabrics are coming from. So that's that's positive, but still, um, only a third of companies know the majority of their fabric suppliers, and only 5% of companies, so one out of every 20, know where their cotton is coming from or their raw materials are coming from. And the concern for us is if companies don't know or they don't care who's making their products, then there's nothing they can do to make ensure or let us know that their workers aren't being exploited. They're not victims of excessive, excessive overtime, really low wages, or even worse, slavery and child labor. So it's really important that companies invest in knowing who their suppliers are, and it's good to see that we've seen some progress there. Um, yeah, there's progress in other areas as well. So uh, we now see about a third of companies are being able to demonstrate that workers are earning more than just the minimum wage. These wages can be set so low that they see people and their families trapped in a cycle of poverty. So we want to see all companies paying a living wage. Um, and we're a long way to go from that. Only two companies could show us that for an entire stage of their supply chain that workers were receiving a living wage. That was Etico and Audrey Blue, both fair trade companies. But a third of companies now could demonstrate that workers were receiving better than the minimum wage, which is a step forward in the right direction. You mentioned fair trade companies, and sometimes we're familiar with the idea of fair trade coffee uh, because... Uh, uh, because that's sort of become, uh, you know, the standard for thinking about fair trade. But fair trade applies right across the board. And whether we're talking about electronics or fashion, what does a company have to do to actually qualify as a fair trade company? Yeah, it's a really good question. So there's um, so there's a fair trade standard. There's an independent certification body that mostly looks at cotton, and a lot of these companies go above and beyond even what the fair trade standards are to get their... Certainly the companies have got the A-plus rating on our report. Um, they went above and beyond the fair trade standard. But to get the fair trade certification, a company must source from fair trade 
farmers for their cotton, and those farmers receive um, a, there's a minimum price that you have to pay for that cotton, and then on top of that, you have to pay a premium. So that premium goes into development programs that could be for wells, or it could be for education, could be for income boosting activities, whatever the farmers themselves decide. Um, and then there's a number of extra protections. So it's a really good measure to see um, to see poverty addressed. And on top of that, Fairtrade does a number of audits of those farms to check for child labour and forced labour as well. So that's that's positive too. Um, and then on top of that, you need to know to be a fair trade company your entire supply chain. So you need to know, and not just your cotton, you need to know where your um, fabric mills are and where your final stage manufacturers are. So you can then go audit and monitor those as well. Um, it's probably worth talking about. For us, um, we... we think that the four most important things that companies can do to make sure that their workers are protected and have a really strong system in place is that they have, firstly, really strong policies because that sets the expectations of what they, of the conditions they want their products to be made under. And then they need to know who their suppliers are. We've talked a bit about that. So from farm to factory, know who's making your product so you can actually monitor them and put corrective action plans in place and then so you can build relationships with them to change things. And then you need to have a system where you're monitoring them really well and building relationships so you can drive changes. And the final thing is that you've got strong policies for worker empowerment. So you can hear the voices of your workers through um, union groups or grievance mechanisms, and then on top of that, address their most significant concerns, which is often around the area of wages, which we've talked about already. Wow. Well, Baptist World Aid is addressing these issues and you might like to participate in our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Give us your thoughts, perhaps even on what you're wearing right now, Uh, because uh, you might do a quick assessment. If I told you I'm wearing a polo shirt, I'm wearing a pair of of, um, fairly dress type uh, slacks, I'm wearing some leather boots, Uh, I'm wearing a pair of socks, wearing underwear, (laughs) all of these sorts of things. Uh, If we were making an assessment about what we're wearing right now, Gush, and I mean, this is, this puts everyone right on the spot, doesn't it? Uh, to assess uh, uh, what we're wearing. Uh, How do you describe these sorts of things? Say, I'm I'm wearing the polo shirt, uh, wearing those leather shoes. Uh, These sorts of things are all part of uh, fashion. Not that I'm a fashion, uh, uh, a fashionista or in any sort of way like that at all. But but if I'm sort of making that assessment and thinking about where I might have bought these, uh, how how does this relate to actually addressing poverty? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Some people often tell me that they worry about every time I walk into a room, I'm sort of scanning them up and down and giving them an ethical grade <laughs> based on what the clothes I see them wearing. Um, and that's not it at all. What we're hoping to do is provide the information for people to make sure that they're they're picking they're able to pick products if they want to that are doing more to protect workers. So the clothes that you're wearing right now, um, they're made by someone, right? And if those people are in great jobs where they're being paid decently, many of the, most of the time they're in developing countries. So it means that 
it's doing something to help address their lives of poverty, but also having an impact around them. Um, if there's good companies set up in those places that are providing them those good jobs, those companies will be pr bringing investment into the country. They'll be generating tax revenue that can then be used for roads and schools and hospitals. Um, so the fashion industry has this huge potential to help transform the where countries are at and improve their conditions. And we're connected to that because we're the people, as you say, that are, that are buying the clothes there. So what we're encouraging people to do is, yeah, be really conscious about where you're buying your clothes from and pick those companies that are doing more to ensure that no one's exploited, that there's no slavery, and that you're actually helping to liberate people from a life of poverty. Um, and there are a number of companies that um, do that really well. So, And there's some really surprising ones on the list. Would you like me to start running through some companies? Hold on on those names of the companies for okay. just a few moments. Uh, let's take a call from a listener in Labrador in Queensland. Anne is on the line. Hi, Anne. What are your thoughts on the discussion today? Um, I think it's good to know um, what company mainly I do Millers have you heard of it? Yep yeah, no, no Millers yeah. Do you know if it's a good or a bad company? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's uh, we can we can do this. Uh, we can just uh, mention the names mainly of companies I, and and yeah, how they've rated. I, I shop in those because they're the ones I you know that for me I'm, I'm now in my sixties and you know they're mostly suitable for me at that age. Yeah. I suspect it's time to brace yourself yes. uh, for your favourite fashion outlet and uh, and how they rated. Uh, yeah. uh, what are your thoughts, Gershon, and uh, and uh, on, on Miller's? Um, so this is going to be a great exercise for me because we've rated more than 300 brands yeah. and we'll test my memory to the max if I can name everyone that someone calls up with. But I actually do know how Miller's went. So Miller's scored a C plus on our grading system. They're owned by Specialty Fashion Group. Mm -hmm. So that's usually reflective of a company that's got some really strong policies in place. Um, we'll generally know their first tier of suppliers, mm -hmm. but their knowledge starts to drop off deeper into the supply chain. Oh. So they're on a they're on a process where they're certainly getting better yeah. um, um, from where from when we first assessed specialty mm -hmm. fashion group, and I think that's really exciting. But C plus is certainly not where we want companies to be. No, um, no. So yeah, it's just, one of those companies that you want yeah. to engage with and say, hey, we'd love to see more action. Yeah, okay. I'm still going to buy from them because mm -hmm. um, all the other companies, some of the their, their, their other products that I try to buy from. Um, they're very expensive too. <laughs> well, we can talk some more about cost and yeah. uh, whether it will push the cost of our fashion up if we are a little more uh, discerning with the way we spend. But Anne from Labrador, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. And our talkback line is open on one 316 Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Gershon Nimbalka is our guest from Baptist World Aid and we're talking about the Australian Fashion Report. Uh, Gershon, uh, just in the lead up to the news just a few minutes away, when we talk about having stewardship uh, as Christian believers, uh, sometimes we talk about stewardship of, of money that we have in our wallet or our purse, but there is a sense, isn't there, that stewardship of creation actually starts when we go shopping and uh, how we spend our money. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we, we're very blessed by our God to have access to so much of the abundance of the world and its goodness. And I think we should be really conscious of that to make sure that our every action reflects 
the the responsibility of stewardship he's put on us, and that that does mean that we want to shop in a way that is consistent with how he would have us shop. It's not something we think about often, or something we connect with our faith. Um, but in a society where shopping is so central, sadly, in some respects to what we do, um, we should be really mindful of how we do that in a way that reflects the love and plans that God has for humanity. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really important concern for us as Christians and part of the reason why we wanted to help um, everyone in Australia start thinking about these issues. And, of course, the Australian Fashion Report reminds us that there is a supply chain uh, that when we turn up at the supermarket or when we turn up at the uh, fashion department store, that uh, that those clothes got there because they came through a chain right from the raw materials uh, through that whole process of design and manufacture to actually get onto our shelves. So, so the stewardship actually can make a huge difference. It is important the way we spend our money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because if we... If companies with their responsibility to make sure that they're looking at their entire supply chain process, um, are stewarding that well, um, they'll be ensuring that they're treating everyone as people created in the image of God, which means that they're going to uphold their dignity um, and ensure that they too get to enjoy the goodness and abundance that God has planned for them by paying them decent wages and ensuring that they're not being exploited. I want to explore with you in the next hour these issues of living wages and we've already mentioned it and there's plenty more to talk about when it comes to that and also these issues of traceability because things we don't think about when we're buying something off the shelf but living wages and traceability uh, taking right back to the beginning where that cotton comes from that actually makes up the clothes that we wear. I want to invite listeners to join us in our conversation. We're going to be continuing our after Vision National News, you might like to participate. Uh, let us know what you think. Would you change your shopping habits if you knew how your favourite brands rated in the way that they are the ones who are either manufacturing or buying fashion? Uh, does shopping connect you to God? Uh, call us on 1-800-316-316. We're back with Gershon Nimbolka after the news. Gershon, let me ask you, uh, the latest Australian fashion report, you rate various companies on a scale A to F. How does that rating system work? Uh, because I guess uh, companies would want to see their rating improve each time you guys produce a new fashion report. Yeah, absolutely. So we... Um, we think that it's really a helpful tool for companies to look at what their rating is and work out, looking at the specific questions we ask them, how they can improve their systems, and many companies we know are doing that. Um, so our ratings tool has 40 questions broken into four key criteria. So we look at the policies that companies have in place, how well they know their suppliers and whether they're being transparent about that, um, what level of quality of monitoring they use over those suppliers and the strength of their relationships with them. As w and the final thing is worker empowerment. So how are they hearing the voices of workers and addressing their most important concerns, particularly wages. So those are the four key areas, policies, knowing suppliers, um, monitoring and relationships, and then worker empowerment. Um, and then we take all the information that we can find about these companies that they've released publicly through ethical sourcing statements or they've put in their annual reports, um, run that through our research, and then we go about engaging with companies. And we try our best to get as much information from companies as they're willing to share with us and put 
filter that through into our system to give these companies a grade. Um, yeah, so of course, there are sometimes companies that choose not to engage, but in this report, over about 80% of companies have engaged to provide us research, so we've got a fairly good idea about what they're doing. Okay, A is the best rating. That'd, that'd be a company that's performing very well in all of these different criteria. F is for fail. Is that the case? That's correct. So S is usually those companies that have no publicly available information about what they're doing to protect workers and they haven't been able to share with us or chosen not to share with us any information about the strength of their systems. Okay, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's take one from Joy in Penrith in Sydney. Hi, Joy. Welcome along to 2020. Are you with us, Joy? Oh, hello. Oh, Joy, what are your thoughts? From Tamworth. Oh, you're um, sorry, you're from Tamworth? Yes. Okay, right. Sorry, I've, I've, got, a, uh, I've got a misspelled uh, destination of your hometown. Uh, what are your thoughts, Joy? Um, is there a list where we can, or a website where we can find the list of companies and their rating? Yeah, well, let's, uh, Gershon, is this information easily accessible? Is it uh, accessible online? Hi, Joy. Yeah, absolutely it is. So if you go to behindthebarcode.org.au, so that's behindthebarcode.org.au, you can either download our full report, which is pretty weighty, it's a 60-page document, or you can just order our handy ethical fashion guide, um, which has all the more than 300 brands that we've covered and just their grade listed next to them. And that's for you to be able to take into shops and purchase um, and help direct your purchasing practices so you can preference those companies that are doing more to protect workers. So it's all there at behindthebarcode.org.au. Oh, thank you. Would you assume that the cheaper the product, the more unethical the product might come from? Or is that a wrong yeah, it's a really good question, Joy, and I think that's what most people do assume. But what we found as we've been doing our research is that there's not a strong correlation between the price that a product is being sold for and how much their companies that are making those products have invested in their systems. So we often find that some of the high-end brands that you would expect to have really good practices in place to protect workers are doing very little or certainly no more than some of the value brands. So some um, some brands like H&M, which are known for high volume and fairly um, good, uh, known as a value brand, are some of the brands that are doing the most to protect workers. And so Kmart does really well as well on our labor rights system because they're investing in those processes despite offering a value proposition to customers. Okay, thank you so much to Joy from Tamworth in New South Wales. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Robin in Sydney. Hi, Robin. Oh, oh hello. Uh, look, I live in Cabramatta, and I, I don't have a favourite brand at all. So, and I don't know, you know, the shops. It's very hard to talk to those shop owners because some of them don't speak English that well, or they're not very communicative. So I'm just wondering, do you know anything about Cabramatta Shops, which is mostly Asian? They're, it's an Asian town, you might say. Vietnamatta, it's often been termed. And also, I sometimes, if I'm in a nearby suburb of Fairfield, I go to Rivers. Um, you know, what, where do they rate? Okay, let's get some thoughts, Gershon. 
Yeah, so Robin, I think one of the fascinating things is that um, regardless of where you live in Australia, you're probably buying clothes that are made in Asia or the Asia-Pacific region because so China, Bangladesh, Vietnam and Cambodia are some of the biggest manufacturing hubs in the world, um, as well as India, sorry. So that whole region is um, selling us most of our clothes. And usually in terms of the quality of what they're doing to protect workers, it's more to do with how, how much the companies have invested in um, ensuring that workers are being protected. So Rivers has been one of those companies that are on a great uh, process of improving what they do, um, particularly since they were bought over by Specialty Fashion Group. We had a question earlier about Millers. So Rivers is now owned by the same group that owns Millers, Specialty Fashion Group. So they get a C plus rating. It's not it's not where we want them to be, but it's it's um I guess it's about average. So there's a lot more work that needs to be done there. But Specialty Fashion Group are again one of those companies that are starting to look more at their supply chain processes and be more transparent about what they're doing. They've recently just released all their factory lists for where their final stage of manufacturing occurs, which is a great step in um, allowing people to build trust that they are doing what they say they're doing in terms of protecting workers. So Rivers are um, a company that is on the mend and doing better. Robin from Sydney in Cabramatta, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, uh, you might have your own thoughts. Uh, you might have a question for Gershon and uh, you might have your own fashion uh, favourite uh, when it comes to the department store that you buy from or uh, the brand that you buy and uh, Gershon may be able to give you some insight as to how that particular company rates on the scale A to F, A to F. Uh, let me just, uh, the, the thing is drawing attention today, Gershon, that when we do spend our dollars in a department store, uh, the rating of that department store is important because uh, these things like living wages and traceability uh, are all very much a part of what that particular department store will be thinking about uh, when people are spending money. If they thought that people were not spending money, they might give more attention uh, to the way that the supply chain goes all the way back to the beginning for those people who are not earning a lot of money. Just enlarge for us for a moment this idea of living wages and how important it is and what the connection is when we're spending we're spending our hard-earned dollars uh, at the department store so living wages are just one of the most critical concerns for workers around the world particularly in developing countries so a living wage is just a wage that's sufficient to cover the basics you need to get by food water shelter electricity clothing health care um, for a worker and their dependents and also have just a little bit of money left over so you can save for emergencies or maybe spend a little bit on discretionary items. That's what a living wage is or in the way we define it. Um, but the reality is for most of the workers that work in the garment sector, their wages are set so low that they're stuck in a cycle of poverty. So we want that to change because we don't want the people that are working long hours under sometimes really hard conditions to be paying wages that keep them in poverty. Um, so we want to end that exploitation and we're calling on companies to do their bit in that process by ensuring that the suppliers that they use are working towards increasing their wages by talking to the governments of the countries that they're operating in and saying, look, we want wages to go up here. We're not going to just jump out of these countries um, as soon as wages start going up. We'll actually stay in for the long haul. Sadly, one of the big problems we've had in terms of keeping wages suppressed or keeping them very low, in fact, is that every time 
a factory or a country wants to increase the wages that workers receive, many companies either threaten to leave or simply leave um, and find the next low-cost production region. And that needs to change. Um, companies need to be saying, no, we want to be able to pay workers wherever we're operating in the world a living wage. And that will change from country to country and region to region because, of course, of course living costs change. But that's the principle that we want companies operating from, and that's what we're encouraging people to do, to call on companies to make sure that they are paying living wages throughout their supply chain. And as a Christian, you say, well, I'm committed to loving my neighbour, and this connects loving our neighbour to where we shop. A very, very important connection indeed. Uh, Gershon, let me ask you about your rating system A to F. Are there any companies in Australia that rated an A level? So there were two Australian fair trade brands that got the highest grade, Audrey Blue and Edico. They knew who all their suppliers were and uh, their final stage manufacturers and their fabrics manufacturers were all getting paid living wages or they could demonstrate that they were. Um, so they had some really strong policies in place. There were some other very strong performing Australian, well-known Australian brands. So in the B-plus range, we had brands like Cotton On, um, Bonds, Country Road, Jag, Sportscraft, um, other B-rated brands included Jeans West, Kmart, Target, and David Jones. So there's some really well-known companies that were doing quite well um, that are Australian um, homegrown brands. Okay, now let's go to the other end of the scale. Uh, can we name those companies that might be close to an F, an F for fail? Yeah, so there's companies that got the, the D grades and the F grades in our report, which are the really low grades, usually because there's not much information about what these companies are doing to protect workers and they haven't engaged to let us know. Um, those included companies like Oriton, Seed Heritage, Victoria's Secrets, Lorna Jane, Forever 21, the menswear brand, Roger David, and the big online retailer, Boohoo.com. So those are all brands that we'd love to see them be more transparent about what they're doing to protect workers and invest more in their labour rights management systems. And again, when we talk about uh, not feeling guilty as the consumer so much about uh, where we've bought our clothing, but uh, certainly understanding where there are various fashion outlets and where they appear on that rating system uh, enables us then to uh, be empowered, doesn't it? To the empowerment to make a choice which actually then loves our neighbour and helps to provide that living wage for people who are living in poverty. Absolutely. So I think it is about awareness. Oxfam recently did a piece of research um, of Australians that said that 90% of people would be willing to pay more for products that were produced ethically. Um, and I can only assume that the Christians were at least reflective of that, if not doing even better. So um, we know that there is a desire out there amongst people to preference products that are produced in ways that look after um, workers throughout the entire supply chain. And what I think the big holdup has been for so many people, one of the big reasons why their behavior hasn't matched their desire is that they just don't know who to trust or how to find out what brands are doing. People just don't have the awareness yet, which is a big part of why we produced this report. Um, we wanted to make it simple for people to be able to differentiate between the companies and what they're doing to make sure that workers are protected. Um, so hopefully their grading system allows people to start preferencing those products that are made ethically. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. 
Been a great conversation this hour talking about the Australian Fashion Report. Gershon Nimbalker, our guest from Baptist World Aid, talking about the rating system A to F for department stores when it comes to the way that they are aware of their fashion and right throughout the supply chain back to where that fashion originated and how it, of course, affects the living wage of the person who may have been involved in that manufacturing, the traceability going right back to understanding where the material came from that that actually made up the clothes that we're wearing. Gershon, this is something that's been so close to your heart. You've been to India. You're checking on progress. Uh, tell us about your Indian connection and and uh, how that actually helps to illustrate uh, what it is when we go shopping with our dollars at department stores here in Australia. So my team and myself went to India in November last year and we went to see fabric mills because that's one of those areas that companies often don't have visibility over. It sits outside of their purview and it's where um, suppliers are unmonitored and unseen where the worst worker rights abuses occur. So while we're in the Tamil Nadu region of India, we met girl after girl after girl that had been just terribly exploited. A number of them had started working from the age of 12. They're working in factories with awful conditions without protective gear, which meant that they were often getting sick and some of them were getting permanently ill. Um, They were being paid as little as 80 cents Australian per day and working really long hours. So our our experience there was just a, a really powerful reminder of how important it is to ensure that our fashion is made ethically. And the good news for me is that when companies do invest and do start working out who their suppliers are and monitoring them well, we see these abuses begin to disappear. So at the first stage of manufacturing, the step um, closer to us than the fabric mills, it's far less likely these days to see that sort of forced labour and child labour we were seeing in the mills. So we know that with good policies and investing sufficiently, companies can play a big role in ending this exploitation. And we know that things are getting better as well. Uh, 1-800-316-316, our talkback line. Let's hear from Mary in Queensland. Hello, Mary. Welcome along. Thank you. It's great um, to hear this sort of program. I was thinking, oh, my two questions were, how do we contact the brand names regarding this um, injustice? And is it on your website, the contact points? Because, um, you know, you could get out there and it's, you know, out in the never-never and they never reply. And obviously we can vote with our wallets. And I was very interested to hear about the um, F uh, grading and you name the names because... That was my next question as well. I wanted some direct information. And, um, yeah, so those are my two questions. Gershon. Yeah, so I think it's a a great idea to reach out to the brands directly, and people do that in a range of ways. They can just Google them and go to their websites and get their email addresses, contact them through social media. But we certainly are happy to work with people. Um, In the past, we've had letters that people can send um, to them, or we've drafted letters to help people communicate with companies. We're happy to do more of that. So feel free to email us at Baptist World Aid um, and we're happy to work with you to contact those brands. But certainly social media and emailing them through the contacts on their website is a really good first step to contact, um, to contact companies to make a difference. Mary from Queensland, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. I suspect, Gershon, you'd like to see an army of 
intentional shoppers raised up, people who'll be uh, who'll be conscious of where they're spending their hard-earned dollars because they want to make a real difference. Uh, I guess uh, that army starts with each individual making a choice as to where they spend money. Absolutely. We would love to see an army of people supporting um, ethical shopping and being really conscious about how they consume and the impact that has on God's earth and God's people. Um, because we think that would make a huge difference in the way that brands structure themselves and what they invest in. So we're hoping to keep feeding people research to help them to do that, and we know the impact that it can have. We started this by talking about the horrible factory collapse that happened in Bangladesh that um, cut short the lives of 1,100 garment workers. Since that time, because there's been so much attention on Bangladesh, conditions have really begun to improve. It's not where we want them to be, but we've seen wages increase by more than 80%. They've gone from 38 US dollars per month to 71 US dollars per month. It's a massive step forward. We've seen more companies, uh, more factories than ever before be inspected and checked for fire and safety um, provisions, which is a real, really big step forward. We've seen the amount of union groups throughout Bangladesh triple. So we know that when our attention is on these issues and we're calling companies and governments to do the right thing, huge improvements can be made. And we just want to see that rolled out across the world. I think there's a lot of hope that the fashion industry can provide by providing decent jobs, strong investment and paying their taxes in the countries they operate in. They can help end poverty and ensure that all people live the life that God intends. Well, Gershon, certainly want to honour you and honour everyone at Baptist World Aid who's involved in this because it really is a practical expression of Christian love uh, to be able to bring some pressure to uh, the whole fashion industry. And your rating system just sounds fabulous, uh, A to F. And when you look at those numbers, 14 million people in forced labour around the world, 168 million child labourers. Uh, well, here's the opportunity to make a difference. You might like to visit the website that we mentioned a little earlier, behindthebarcode.org.au. Or you can simply Google the Australian Fashion Report and you'll be able to get some details about uh, how to uh, to assess, access that information. Uh, Gershon, any other ways that people can make contact or just those two websites are the best ones to, for people to access? Yeah, so you come through baptistworldaid.org.au and it'll, um, a lot of the information is there and you can find out more information there about the other projects and advocacy work that we do um, or behindthebarcode.org.au. That's a great way to access what we're doing. So at at the moment, we just have the report and the guide that people can order, which um, they can either get a digital version of that as a PDF sent out to them, or they can get the hard copy, which they can. It's designed to be small enough to fit into your wallets, or even into your, sorry, fit into your pockets um, or your handbags, so you can take with you when you're out shopping. We'd love to develop it into an app, so that's one of the big projects that we're going to be looking at for the next year, if, to see if we can raise funding um, and the resources that we need to develop an app to make it even easier for people to access our grades and to sh shape their shopping. Well, it's shopping that connects you to God. It's shopping that really is a practical expression of loving your neighbour. And Gershon Nimbalka from Baptist World Aid, uh, look forward to talking to you again next time there's a report out like this. And uh, certainly want to thank you very much for taking time to share with our listeners some of these very important uh, issues to do with shopping and uh, the Australian Fashion Report. Gershon, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thanks so much for having me on the program. 
news. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.